When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Soccer 101 with Moon and Rockio. Welcome back to Soccer 101. I am Moon. That is Matt Rockio. You can say hi. Hi, Moon. How you doing today, buddy? Man, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. You know, just closed out another MLS season. First time the city was a part of it. You know, it was it was it was a crazy eight months. We are closing a crazy eight months. You are right on the podcast. Uh, podcast isn't over. Obviously, this is a big uh, a big week with all the trade stuff, all the transfer window stuff. Talk, you know, all, all the talk, and obviously some big St. Louis City SC news as well. But let's 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 get into it. We'll talk about the final today. We'll talk about a couple local connections over in the uh, the college world. I know a lot of people were putting us on on notice about mm-hmm. some fighting Irish, some local fighting Irish. There we go. Uh, a, a local connection to a Farmington player, um, but man, what what a season! And and again, I know if we've said this a hundred times, but dude, what what a what a, per, a a near perfect, I'll say near perfect uh, inaugural season to St. Louis being a part of the MLS. St. Louis City SC just delivered in so many ways, over delivered in in ways that I didn't think were were, were possible. And um, I, I just feel so privileged to be a part of the soccer community. Of course, you know, half of them. Love to yell at us and other podcasts about what we get wrong or why our opinions are stupid. But, uh, man, I, I love it. I, I love the passion. I love the city. And I love that um, the city really turned out for this team. It helped that we had such great skill on the field, such great skill on the bench and with the, the coaching. But the organization did a really great job connecting the community. And once again, St. Louis, as a community, delivers. So, Rockio, like, dude, how how proud are you to be? Are, are you to be a St. Louis sports fan right now? I mean, yeah, it, it was just, you know, we we talked about so many times. Every promise they made, they fulfilled, and, and they've gone further in so many other ways. And, and and I think, you know, a lot of things have happened, you know, in the last few months that we really even have haven't gotten a chance to talk about. I think the big one, you know, because because everything happened with Lutz and the, and the ownership group at the beginning of the year. But, you know, bringing in, you know, uh, bringing in a player, a, a guy who had worked with the city group, as in the Manchester City one, um, bringing in a guy who had that experience like they did halfway through the season. I don't think we've even do- dove into what it means, the, the moves that they've made, you know, once all the hoopla happened. And I think things kind of like steadied off and we just kind of got used to, you know, this consistent, you know, greatness from, from a team so quickly, but I mean, they're in the back and they're, and they're making moves. And, and that's what I love about it. That's why I'm so excited for this off season, because obviously we've already had some moves, you know, you got the extension for Kyle Hebert, uh, you got the trade now for Chris Durkin that we're going to talk about a little bit later. So, I mean, e- everything tells me 
to stay excited about this team going into the offseason because they're going to put their best foot forward setting up next year's squad just like they did this past year. Definitely. As a fan, um, the only thing I'm bummed about is, uh, and this is on me, is that I didn't just sell like four or five guitars or ask all my relatives for money to figure out how to get season tickets. I took the tour. I did the whole thing, and I just couldn't afford it. And I was like, oh, man, I can't come home and tell my wife that I bought season tickets for that price. And, you know, like w- without knowing if I was going to be able to sell them if I wasn't there, I knew I was going to miss half of the games because of shows that I was out of state or out of, out of country. And um, boy, do I regret that. Boy, do I regret that. It's the only regret that I have from the whole season. But I did get to see some incredible matches, some of which uh, were seated next to you up in the press box, which is a cool experience for me. You know, an old rock and roller guy. I I, I, I don't belong with you guys up there because uh, uh, I, I get in trouble. I'm yeah, that's there are some rules up there. Uh, and and speak, speaking of which, by the way, you talked about how great a job this front office did. Um, we talked last podcast about the end of season awards that were being handed out. Obviously, you know, some good news and some not so good news for the city recipients there. Apparently, they also have just an entire slate of awards they give out to the front offices. And this thing's like 20, 25, 30 awards deep. Uh, city walks away with two of them. So congratulations to the city front office for getting some hard, you know, hardware and recognition. They got the marketing club of the year and they got the corporate partnership activation of the year. I'm not really sure what the second one means as much. I can kind of figure it out with, with club, with, with context clues, but the first one marketing club of the year, I just want to give a shout out at this moment uh, to Matt Seebeck, which is a name that I'm sure some of you do know. Some of you might not have ever heard that name, but if at any point you saw something on social media for a promo for an event that city did, or you went to an event that St. Louis city did. And you were like, this is a blast of a time. This is, this is so much fun. Then Matt Seebeck's the guy that you probably need to, to, to thank along with all the people, obviously who do all the hard work to make these things happen. But when it comes to the ideas and how you get marketing club of the year, Matt Seebeck's a guy who's a big deal of it. And he's one of the people who you might not realize it, but since day one, it wasn't just Lutz. It wasn't just Bradley. It wasn't just Carolyn Kindle doing every single thing that they promised and doing it right. Matt Seebeck was another guy behind the scenes that every single time you wondered, is St. Louis going to get this right? Seebeck stepped up and got it right. So I'm, I'm not surprised at all that they won Marketing Club of the Year. They absolutely earned that. Yeah, definitely. And with the partnerships and everything, remember, there was that fallout with Centene. It was supposed to be Centene, blah, 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 blah. That that whole thing, did, I mean, it seemed to not be going their way just before the season there was that flood on the street you know the broken water main and and uh and the centene name dropped off but man they not only were they able to recover but they were really able to thrive through their partnerships with together credit union uh to, to to name like a big one and one of the big founding ones um but all the all the partners that they partnered with I think did an exquisite job just being great partners in this community. So I can see why that award was given to them as well. Uh, great job. Now let, let's, let's not go too far about just, you know, puffing up their, their, uh, all that we love about them without saying something, what would you like to see different? Well, right out of the gate. I mean, are you talking on the field? Are you talking off the field? You're talking both. I'm talking both. Uh, let, let's talk off the field first. What would you like to see the organization do different? I think it's a continuation and an extrapolation of what they've already done. I mean, when you think about the block parties and the way that they use that Lou Fuse Plaza in such an awesome way, you know, to create this this sense of camaraderie for for city fans at a place they could all hang out. Uh, I saw there's some construction going on down there. 
Um, I assume that means they're probably changing it, expanding it. Maybe they're, they got a different idea on how to incorporate it more into those block parties and things like that. So, I mean, I, I don't have a lot of criticism or anything just to say, you guys did it the first year. Don't pull back just because it's not the inaugural season magic. Like, you know, yeah. pedal, you know, put the pedal to the metal and keep on doing this stuff because that those block parties and those kind of events, that's the kind of thing that when you when you look past it just being a sporting event and you look at how much city can do for a downtown that needs energy and life and positivity, yeah. those events bring that to a downtown that desperately needs it. Those events are huge. Those events are crucial, not just because of the soccer team. So I would really just say keep keep the pedal to the metal on those kind of things because off the field they killed it in every aspect this year. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We could blow smoke here for for some time, and um, and it's well deserved. But next year, I'd like to see them uh, continue to work super hard in getting new soccer fans or you know new yeah. fans o- over into there with, with uh, some some other events. And I think music. I think they can widen the music. Um, I know there's some pop artists and a couple other things. I didn't see any. I didn't. No offense. I didn't see any rock and roll represented really. That's a good point. Um, you know, they, they played it in the stadium sometimes. And this is a rock and roll community. What I think they did exquisitely, besides the partnership and everything with marketing and the promos and all that kind of stuff, was um, this is a food city. And they made that very evident. So, like, God, people from out of town, way. people from out of town get to come in and have excellent food, local stuff, local chefs, local uh, uh, cuisine. So that was that was something really cool and connected to the community. And I think there's a lot. This is a freaking blues town. This is a music town. So let's make it about all the music that that's uh, you know that's that's from here and a lot of that is some dirty rock and roll and i think it would fit in super well and i don't know what that means i don't know if using the stadium for concerts is even possible or maybe just widening or broadening those those block party sort of ideas i'd like to see more of that and then that's not just a selfish thing i'm saying i think there's a lot from that whole community that we uh, that 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 the club could attract with with using the site you know what i mean Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's the location's absolutely perfect. Again, the air, what they've built around it, you know, parking's always kind of an issue in South St. Louis or in, in, in the downtown area. And I think a lot of people were worried when there was only that one extra garage that went up, but I thought parking was actually pretty well done. I also take the Metro a lot down there. And so having, having those kind of events in a very gettable spot of downtown. Yeah, that's huge. And, you know, I, I'm not sure um, I'm not sure where they could get rock and roll in this town. I mean, I'm, I mean, I, if, if only there was somebody uh, who had a guitar sitting on a couch just precariously over their right shoulder. I mean, I feel like we could make things happen in this town. Yeah, somebody can call somebody and uh, and make and make something happen. And perhaps there's a soccer fan amongst. Hey, the, whoa! The, the how about how about, how about that idea? But okay, we'll so that, that's off the field. But I think I think on the field we definitely need to see some improvements. And I think that brings us to what happened over the weekend. Uh, right now, I, I'm not seeing it being 100% finalized because the trade deadline for the MLS opened yesterday. Yep. And I might be missing something here, but I do not see the 100% finalization of the Chris Durkin trade. But that, that doesn't mean anything. The Chris Durkin trade is going to happen. I mean, it's done. It's agreed to. Uh, Lucas Bartlett is is on the way out. 300000 in general allocation money. And um, Jared Stroud. Jared Stroud as well. The midfielder goes out as well. I like the Durkin move um, because I think it gives them a lot of depth instability in a spot where they didn't have it i.e that holding midi spot where where we saw blom so often and my thing about durkin is he's a great player you you look at 
uh, his per 90 numbers. And you see a lot of green when you talk about his percentile, um, despite the fact that he he's in the bottom 10 percentiles in passes, completion percentage, progressive passes. When you look at his ability in take ons, touches, um, and, you know, his positioning, his tackling, those kind of things. And, and heck, the few times he does touch the ball, he actually has a very, very high amount of goals created from his touches. And so, again, he's not going to touch the ball a lot, but he's efficient when he does. And I think when you look at the second half of the season, I think there was a lot of games where City pretty much went as well as Blom played. And if Blom was having a down day, then usually that meant there were going to be some bad turnovers on the back end, and that was going to lead to some easy attempts for the other side. And so getting depth for Blom, who's going to be a bigger part of South Africa going forward, uh, according to Tom Timmerman, getting a, a backup for when he's gone, period, is one a good mood. But I also think, Moon, I think this opens them up the ability to play a lot of different systems and maybe even play Blom and Durkin at the same time and, and really have a, a solid back two-man pivot that really solidifies the defense when they're playing that hard press. That's something I'm, I'm really looking forward to. But again, I do think depth and everything, the Durkin trade right out of the gate, a huge move for city looking forward to the off season next year. Yeah, I think you're right. Blom. It's interesting that, you know, he's, he's not going anywhere, but we're talking about him a lot with these trades because the midfield is so important. That was my, my big worry in those first couple of weeks. Remember I was criticizing Leuven because I was like, we have to have a midfield that's stronger. This won't go anywhere. And I think my, my criticism for the team, especially later in the season was you're right. If one or two players was having a bad, bad game, the whole game was having a bad it game. It was fall apart. And, uh, uh, I was sad to see Stroud go. I love him as a hustler, but he did have like a weaker back half than he did a, a front half. He came out yeah. zooming and seemed to struggle a bit in the second half. Um, Blom was one of those characters that every time I saw him, I was loving him or wanting him off the field uh, because, you know, he either seemed like lost and he wasn't mm -hmm. sure what he was doing um, positionally speaking, uh, just like soccer IQ. And then the next one you see, you're just like, wow. He might be the smartest guy in the midfield right now. You could see his soccer IQ was 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 really high. So hopefully, like you're saying, Durkin and, and some midfield strength allow Blom to really uh, uh, develop into the player that everybody thinks he can be. Um, but, you know, and I read somewhere uh, real quick. I did read that the Post did have a confirmation from a source okay. that that trade was going through. Um, I haven't seen the actual confirmation. Yeah, my, my thing was only because it was announced on Friday and Monday was technically when the deadline trade when the trade deadline opened, and so when yeah. you could actually make trades. And I was I just didn't see a hundred percent confirmation that MLS has processed the trade yet. And I, I I just could have been missing a tweet that the MLS sent out, you know, twelve hours ago. That could be my bad. But I read the, the, somewhere it's gonna happen. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah, that. yeah, it's gonna happen. I and I read somewhere and I agreed with it that. Um, our team could use strengthening in every single aspect uh, other than goalkeeping. So still an expansion club. I mean, last year you were still building an expansion roster and that, yeah. that, that, that comes with limitations on, on how much depth you can build. And so you have to then hit year two with the exact same mindset of, of we, we have a lot of work to do. Yeah. Speaking of limitations, um, I read some things from Don Garber. He was talking about the changes that will, will be coming because of, uh, you know, everything that happened with Messi and obviously how great that was for the league. Obviously, they're trying to expand the rules and give opportunities for teams to have bigger salaries, bigger players, bigger, uh, you know, reasons to attract uh, bigger names uh, over to this league. And then yeah, they need I, to figure I, out how to get Luis Suarez over here. Oh, man. Well, yeah. You, you read that whole that whole article. Yeah. You want to tell the listeners a little bit about that? I mean, it's just 
it's just interesting the changes that they're they're trying to make. I mean, I, I get why you need to make these changes because I get why the the European talent and the big names obviously it moved so much. We talked about Messi so much, and, and we never even got to see him play here here in City or against uh, City. And so, I, I I I understand why they're doing it, but the fact of the matter is, the MLS's financials has always been my biggest question mark surrounding the league, and when. You got Messi involved. It added a, added another question mark, and now you're getting Suarez involved, and it's adding another question mark. And it's just soccer financials across the entire world are a weird business, and MLS somehow found a way to be the weirdest one in it. Because I and I really <laughs> and, I, and I think it hurts them because I think transfer news is such a big part of why soccer fandom is the way it is. Yeah. And I think that the MLS misses out on a transfer deadline day. And I think the fact I, I, I can only imagine the ratings that like sky news in England gets on transfer oh, deadline. day. It's I incredible. It, it must be, I, tu- I tune ridiculous. in to watch the ticker. Yeah. And so the fact that MLS can't grab even that alone, I think is a huge loss on them every offseason. Yeah, you're you know you're making great points, and that is a big part of why I became such a diehard soccer yeah. fan in the late '90s, early 2000s when I was exposed to it and watching England. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm as excited about the off season as I am the 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 the, the season itself. And then when you know when coaches are fired, it's like, oh my god, you know who's who? Where is this person going? And just it, the the every aspect of it became so different in the way that I approach sports or like football or or baseball here. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's go back to inner Miami for a second. Did you read that amid the, you know, backdrop of sports washing inter Miami will visit Saudi Arabia in 2024, meaning the rivalry between soccer superstars, Messi and Ronaldo as hot as ever inter Miami confirmed yesterday that it will participate in Saudi Arabia's Riyadh season cup as part of an international tour showcasing the MLS team build around Messi inter Miami is going to play games at Al Halal. Uh, SFC and Ronaldo's Al Nassar FC, which is gonna be huge. Yeah, um, we never talk about it on this podcast, but it, the, the, there's one thing you need to know about me that, and, and some people might uh, say differently. I'm not a big fan of the sports washing, and in fact, it's it's one of the thing in sports. I don't know. If there's many things in sports that actually bothers me more than Saudi Arabian sports washing, and. So obviously, try you know, what they've done in golf is, is is clear, and what they're doing in soccer is obvious. Um, you know, the Chinese Super League tried to do it about seven, eight years ago when they they gave every old player with a name a three hundred million dollar contract, and obviously nothing came of that. And now Saudi Arabia is trying it again, and you know, in one case it was blood money, and in the second case it's oily blood money, and 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 so that's what you're dealing with. And, but the money's coming and there, there are eyes there because it's Ronaldo versus Messi. So I'm not shocked that everyone's dipping their toes in there. Everyone wants a piece of the pie. And that is literally a pie that I cannot put a, like you you look at that pie and it's just, you can't see the end of it. The pie is unending and, and people want their, their piece of it. And I understand that. I, I, I don't agree with them. Um, I, I can blame them, but I, but I, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there. Well, Inter Miami takes on Al Hilal on January 29th. This will be the 36th time Ronaldo and Messi face off. Who do you think has won more matchups there? I mean, I I got to think that Barcelona had a winning record against Madrid at least by a couple games when they were there and then did and I got to think if they ever faced off when he was at Man U or Porto that Barcelona probably 
got him there. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess Messi's got a slightly better record against Ronaldo uh, club wise. Well, Messi has eight blown doors. Uh, Ronaldo oh, has five, and Messi has sixteen of the matchups. He's won sixteen of them. Ronaldo has won ten. Oh wow, it's a little bit bigger than I thought it might have been. Okay. The other nine matches finished in a draw. Messi tallied 21 goals and 12 assists in matchups, while Ronaldo's uh, Ronaldo's stats are 20 goals and one assist. Okay. So yeah. Messi Messi has it everywhere on that one. On that uh, doesn't surprise me. On that head to head, so we'll we'll see. I'm sure you won't be tuned in. Um, I don't even know. I don't even have any information on where it would be. Uh, broadcast or how to watch that but interesting piece of news nonetheless uh let's get into the uh, mls cup final there we go lafc had the chance to repeat make history for the first time in what like the last 10 seasons i believe 10 years uh they did not they did not repeat as reigning champions instead they were upset by the columbus crew two to one you want to tell us a, a, a few details were you able to watch the whole match I was able to watch uh, about 75 minutes of it. Uh, I had I had to miss. I had to, had to go out at the end, unfortunately, and couldn't see the the actual final few minutes of the game, unfortunately. But overall, I mean, I I, I thought we saw what Columbus gave us the entire run of the playoffs, which is an, incre- an incredibly solid defense, and they were able to take advantage. I don't think I think you play that game ten more times. They they get two goals in the first half um in one of the 10 again like it was it's it, it doesn't go that way i think if you replay that nine nine out of ten times and that crew takes a 2-1 uh 2-0 lead so early and i think part of that is just, is buwanga probably just has a bigger impact in that game you, you, again nine times out of ten buwanga is a lot more impactful than just that goal great goal by the way but i really thought that it jumped out to me how little i had noticed him prior to him scoring that goal. And obviously yeah. Buanga has just been a flipping monster the entire year for LAFC. And, and, and a lot like, you know, we were just talking about city goes the way their stars go LAFC and a lot of teams go the way their stars go. It's not surprising. And I thought that was the big case there. I thought Patrick Schulte, obviously solid game in net again, the St. Louis in um, for Columbus. But I, I really just thought that was the biggest thing that jumped out to me is that Columbus played a good game, but things went their way. And on the LAFC side, your biggest star was quiet for the first 60, 70 minutes of the game. And that's going to that's going to make things hard when you gotta when you gotta flip the switch and say, we got 25 minutes left plus stoppage time. We gotta find two goals here. That's that's never an easy mindset when you're on a soccer field. Yeah, penalty made a big deal. Um, I mean that 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 obviously plays a plays a big part. Uh, but Columbus, man, I, I see what you're saying, and I would tend to agree with you as far as the nine out of ten times. But uh, they played LAFC well. They seemed to play everybody strategically well. Um, they did not let LAFC play with that ball. They were constantly pressuring. They were shaped really well. They had solid defense. That's what it takes to win MLS Cups is that solid defense, that great shape, the ability to adapt. And everybody played like they wanted to win the thing. And I'm not saying that LAFC didn't, um, but but the crew, like if I were to, to uh, you know, cast it just depending on who just really showed up to make the day theirs, it seemed to be Cruz. Like you said, Boanga was, was, was quiet, and he just needed one of those days uh, to be excellent, to outdo a penalty and uh, and and the rest of the crew's energy. Um, great job all around. It was a wonderful game to watch. If anybody got to see it, I'm sure they got to I'm, – I'm happy that they got to see a good final. Only criticism I have was uh, 
there's a lot of eyes that may not have been on the rest of the season of the uh, with MLS that were watching that match, maybe new to soccer as well, maybe some St. Louisans. And there was a couple of plays where, yeah, they were bad tackles, they were they were they were fouls, but the players making meals of it in finals like that, I understand, you know, penalties. Every 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 set role. piece matters. There was two or three Columbus Crew players that hit the floor in in, in a meal making scenario that was just. Um, a bummer. And I, and I hate, you know, as a soccer fan, I'm like, Oh, come on, stop it, man. You're, you're making my arguments difficult. Knock yeah. it off. You're Get right. Your ass and, off and, you the floor. and you know what? And here's, 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 here's the thing that, that I actually love uh, the athletic who obviously, if you, if you, if you're a subscriber to the athletic and you don't realize that their soccer content is absolutely freaking amazing. They have, they, it's all under this, this TIFO um, banner that they put it under and they, they put out incredible content and they recently broke down like do teams that get a lot more set pieces win more games and the amount of goals you scores especially from corners is such a small number across the entire sport um, that maybe the flopping is really like the flopping is not worth it the chance to add a goal is not worth it for how much people hate watching the flopping. Like the actual entertainment value of flopping and the chance like, well, we, we might get a goal out of this out of this set piece. You probably won't, and you're probably going to turn off even more people because you were flopping around because you barely got touched. It, it's absolutely a detriment to the game. I know why it happens. We all do. But you know, maybe we can and- just people. Listen, guys, your set pieces actually don't change things that much. Uh, go ahead and just you know get up and 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 and, and keep playing. I understand it as the signaling, especially if somebody comes in on something and it's not necessarily called or it's hard to see or you're away from the ref or something like that. But these were all clear, dangerous plays that were called immediately. So they the, the meal-making didn't bring the call. It didn't attract the call. So if you're not doing that, you just look like a poon, and and that's it's just unnecessary. I, I hate to – I mean, I was always – I'm, I'm always – you know, against the guys who are like, oh, be a man. The hockey players are so tough and they lose teeth and soccer players are wusses. But I'm starting to like, I'm starting to understand all the argument with it. And I, and I just, I would like to see some, some grown men, some real athletes be better professionals and better role models for young people. And if you're hurt, you're hurt. And if you get the call, you got the call get up and move on like it there was a couple slow motion where you see it and and these are rough tackles these are obvious penalties maybe even yellow cards um but if you see it and you can you can tell that the player was not injured we don't need any of that excessive stuff we don't need time cruise out there yeah and also as a fan and and this this also applies if if you're like a a young kid and you have you know you have your parents watching your games and stuff like that and you're thinking well if i get my foot stepped on i'll try to i'll ham it up a little bit you know um try to get a call um if you're like watching an MLS game and your star player starts hamming it up and starts holding his ankle, that that blood pressure spike where you're like, oh my God, Leuven just snapped his ankle. This season's over. Or <laughs> the even worse one, you're a kid and your your parents are watching you. They're just like, oh my God, did he, oh my God, is his ankle broken? Like the, the the pang of fear. I mean, you're you're a parent. I'm not. I can't imagine what would go through your mind as a as a parent in that like 10 seconds where you're like, oh my God, is my kid hurt right now? Oh no, he was hamming it up trying to get a free kick. I'm gonna break his neck myself next time I see him. Uh, like that that's the that's the aspect of flopping that really that really kind of that really sucks when you think about it. Oh, dude, it's it's the faces and the screaming and all that. Like, dude, I snapped my ACL and I couldn't make a sound. I was trying to tell people like, hey, I need ice. I need I need an ambulance like I'm I'm screwed. I couldn't make a sound. So if you're really hurt, you're you're, you're not moving. You're not screaming. Yeah, shock, shock's a real thing. <laughs> you're like, going, oh, my God, I think my season's over. Exactly. <laughs> you know that's a really that's. 
It's a very good point. Um, so yeah, I, I would like to see. That was my only criticism. My only criticism of the game was there was a couple where I was like, "Come on, man! Like you got the call. The, the, before you hit the floor, the guy whistled. It's you're gonna be all right. Everything is good." Uh, and I, you know what? Overall, I I, I liked. You know, it, maybe not the greatest ownership group in the Haslam's for the, for crew, but I like the idea of one of the original ten teams from the '90s continuing to have the success they've had obviously you know they've won three supporters shield this is their third mls cup their second you know including 20 or uh their second since 2020 i i just i like one of the original clubs like columbus continuing to have success uh and the fact that again they did it with a st louis kid in between the pipes makes it a little bit more fun yeah pretty cool speaking of st louis kids we have a couple people that were emailing us talking about the fighting irish yes notre dame there is a farmington kid uh, named Kyle, I think it's Genenbacher, or is it Genenbacher? I, th- I think it's Genenbacher. But, if we're, if we, if, but we, we apologize to the Genenbacher family if we're butchering that. But, you know, congratulations to Kyle, who um, started uh, all 17 games for the Fighting Irish, either center midfielder or defender. And he was in the lineup for their final of the men's 2023 Division One Championship, also known as the College Cup. It was them in Clemson. I actually watched Clemson's semifinal game. Um, it was actually a pretty fa- – uh, or no, quarterfinal game. Clemson's quarterfinal game because it was on TV when I was uh, on vacation. And, and, and Clemson's got one hell of a squad. Uh, their, their women's team also incredibly talented. But unfortunately, our boy Kyle from Farmington, uh, who used to play for St. Louis FC – Fell to Clemson two to one, so Notre Dame falls to Clemson two to one. But again, good job by Kyle again, a Farmington kid who played for St. Louis FC and now has started this whole season as a junior for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And and just it's pretty incredible when you think about how many times we've actually referenced St. Louis FC. And I and I think you know I think there's a contingent out there that warms their heart. There's a lot of people I think when the MLS team happened, they thought that people would just forget that St. Louis FC was ever a thing. And yeah. I think it's really cool that you get moments like Schulte, who used to be an FC guy and, and, and Gennenbacher, who used to be an FC guy, um, you know, making it with Notre Dame. Now I, I, I just like it. Anytime St. Louis FC comes back up in, in, in a story. Yeah. He played for the Academy. He is the number 15th ranked defender nationally. So congratulations to him for, for doing so well. He's a junior over there at Notre Dame, uh, Farmington high school grad. Uh, good for him. Very, very cool. And thank you to all of our fans, the Soccer 101 fans and friends, for uh, emailing us about that, letting us know the St. Louis connection. We love that. We love to build each other up and fly the flag of St. Louis athletes all over the world. Um, man, uh, so we got a couple details about this uh, this transfer window and everything, and St. Louis has got to be really active. We've only heard about this Chris Durkin uh, thing with uh, with Stroud and um, – you know, the 300,000 and all that. But have you heard any other rumblings about what's happening? Who they're, what, what, what are we looking for? I know they're changing rules. I know that we have the eight international um, represented players already. So I don't know if they're, are we planning on loaning folks out? Are we looking at uh, attackers? Are we looking for more defenders? What do you think we're looking for here, Rocky? And have you heard any rumblings? The rumblings part, not not as sure about exactly some of the names I've heard thrown out. I don't I don't want to throw any of those names out actually, because for me right right now it's it's fullbacks, fullbacks, fullbacks. I mean, if you if you want to talk about the Cardinals in the offseason, it's pitching, pitching, pitching. City, it's fullbacks, fullbacks, fullbacks. Because I really think the one thing I have heard um, this offseason is I've heard glowing remarks about the expectations of Nook v. Thorson. So I don't think the attack needs that much of a look at when you have Klaus, you have a Denneran, 
You have apparently, again, a, a very high expectations in Thorison. You have Leuven in the midfield slash attack. I, I think there's enough bodies, and and those guys have all shown themselves to be very high-level players. They don't need to worry about that nearly as much as you do the back end. So we call, we saw Kyle Hebert get re-signed. I think, that, I think he's a, a great depth play, a guy who can play center back, a guy who can play left back, a guy who can play – you know, probably could, you know, could play any center back spot. If you, if you ever went to a back three or a back five in the first place, he's a versatile player. He's solid. But the fact of the matter is you need more on the outside flank, especially coming from the defensive side. You have Anthony Marcanic, but you need another guy at the left side who can bring you both the offensive and defensive um, skills that Kyle Hebert can't give you offensively as much. And then on the right side, that's where I think the big name has to come from. Cause I like what Marcanic gives you. And, and if, and if you, if you have a guy like Chris Durkin, who's giving you more defensive play in the midfield, you can get away with a guy like Marcanic being super offensive minded, but they clearly, in my opinion, need to go out there and get an absolute gamer at the right back spot, because that's where I think this team can really change and elevate how they play. If you can dominate the right flank consistently, if you can have a guy who can play byline to byline, just going up, up and down the right side completely every game with a heavy load, the way that this team plays, I think it completely changes what you're able to do. I think it gives them an, a, a consistent, uh, dangerous crosser to get the ball onto the head of a Denneran and Klaus. I think that's one thing they've missed. And I think if you have a dangerous right back on that side, you put Nukvi Thorson as an attacking guy on the left side with Marcanic. And at that point, I think your flanks are covered. You have enough ball movement on the outside to consistently stretch defenses apart so they can't pack the middle like we saw what Sporting Kansas City was and other yeah. teams were able to do against them. So I really think this is about widening the scheme for St. Louis city. And they have a good one in Marcanic. They got a good one in Thorison, but and those guys to me right now, it seems like there'll be, there'll be a great pairing up the left side, but that means you got to focus on what happens on the right side. That's where I think the big money is. I love the move for Durkin, but the big move in my opinion needs to be an, a, a, an outside back. And in my opinion, probably should be a guy with more right footed than left footed. I agree with everything you said. And I, uh, the last six years of of coaching that I had uh, as a young player it was always focused on wide play. It was wide, wide, wide. We played WW. We had like a very interesting. I mean, our coach was push everything wide, just destroy the ability for people to play in the middle uh, by by pushing out wide. But you say that, and I agree with you. But we also have the narrowest pitch in all of MLS. We have a designed um, a, a designed pitch and a designed strategy for counterattacking fast stuff, and it's not necessarily wide ball. So you mentioned the word gamer when you said a uh, a right back, and I am a video game soccer tactician. I am a tactician master on video games. So if this were a video game, where would you put Joe Akini? Where would you put Jackson? Where would you try to new stuff? Because in video game tactician uh, play. I like to experiment with people in some maybe unexpected roles. Would you ever put Joe Akini on a wing? Would you ever throw him in the midfield to do some crazy runs uh, up and kind of sneak in almost like a, a four, four, two with a, like a roaming left winger or something? What would you do? And, and, and I'm glad you mentioned uh, the size of the pitch because I'm not saying, I'm not saying they necessarily need to be a wide playing team. I simply think they need to widen where they are now. And yeah. I actually, I'm glad you brought up formation because I really think the reason why the left back could be so important is because Klaus, Adenarin, 
Leuven, Jackson, Nico. That's five. Those are five of your most dynamic offensive players or, or forward or, or wings, forwards, mid attacking midfielders, however you want to describe them. Those are five of your best players. I would argue, and I, and, and Thorson would probably be the sixth one that I'm not listing, but those five outside of, uh, are all best operating in the middle of the field. And so my point is, is that the reason you need that gamer right back is to give you movement on the flanks or else, because you can't just leave that space not to be used because you're wasting space. You're not taxing the defense. You're not forcing them to cover spots where they're not comfortable. So you get that wet width from your backs and then everything else is static and solid in the middle. You have Parker and Nielsen in your center backs. You got Blom, maybe Durkin as your center midfielders. And now we get up to the front, like you're saying. I don't know if I would move those guys outside because, again, if I'm getting the width from my outside, if I'm getting the width from my fullbacks, from my wingbacks, however you want to call them, then I'm very okay with running like a, to- a triangle at the very top of Klaus, Adenarin, and Nico, like we saw late in the season, or Klaus, Adenarin, and Jackson, like we saw for huge chunks of the season. And then I think that allows. Leuven, his best spot, which is not the 10, but maybe, but, it, but I don't think it's the eight either. I think it's, it's a more classical six, which is I want Leuven sitting in between my defensive midfielder and my attacking midfielder. And I want him to do whatever he wants to do. If he wants to get a little bit wide and operate, you know, from a wide spot for a little bit of the possession, that's fine. I got my two center backs. I'm fine with that. If he wants to operate more up, up with Aziel Jackson closer to the forwards, he can do that if he wants to. If he wants to go back, and now we have like almost like a back three biddies with Dirk and Blom and him, I'm completely fine with that. Let Leuven dictate where he thinks the game needs to go, where he needs to go to best dictate the game. That's why I want so much, why I think it's so important to get a better fullback because I do think that your best players right now offensively are operating in the middle. And so you got to find a way to get those swinging crosses in from the outside. And if it's not going to come from a Thorson consistently, then it's got to come from somebody, and that could be where the backs come in. But I do think a Klaus or a Nico at times could work as a winger. But I really think that that's not going to be their best team. I think that your best outside winger right now is Thorson. I don't know who the other winger would be if you were to play, let's say, a classic 4-3-3. Is it, is it Aziel Jackson on the outside? Is it? I know you love Jackson. I, know I, you. I do love Jackson, but I also think he, he operates best in the middle, and I like him being able just to shuttle box to box and create havoc. And so that's, I, I think, again, they don't have a lot of great wide players. Because again, the and the pitch isn't built for them to have a lot of great wide players. But right, I think that's why have we have that's them. why we have the Jackson and the Pompeo and and like all, and all those guys maybe, are like maybe that's it. You know what? I'm probably that's actually a conversation I had with somebody from City um recently is that I think I'm undervaluing Celio Pompeo. And I think the goal he had against Sporting Kansas City it, is probably the a good in, in, indicator why, which is I think Pompeo brings a lot of ingenuity and creativity this to this team the difference is that in the first season that creativity was fun to watch but it wasn't progressing the ball the second half of the season it was fun to watch and he was consistently getting the ball in the dangerous spots so yeah, i yeah. think maybe Celio pompey is a guy that i'm not considering enough into this equation of top attackers he, he is my guy um because he was always a surprise he was he was yeah, full, I'll, I'll say he was full of surprises and i think 
obviously coach and all these coaches are going to know, you know, on on these training days on what this guy's capable of, but he is, and I was going to ask you this, but we're running out of time. If you're doing video game tactics again, you know, you always get the starting 11 that that the game already throws on there because that's what it's, you know what I'm saying? Like, but I always have a guy that I would never start with what the game tells me to start with. I always have like a random sub that is my guy that I'm going to start this guy instead. He's always on the bench, but I think, I think, um, Pompeo is the guy that I would, if I were to play the game now, and of course, you know, training doesn't resume until January and and, and we'll start talking about it more then when I we like see these that. guys and what they've done in the off season. But, but he would be my video game from the bench to the starter, uh, to the starter position, just to see what happens in these first halves. He's a guy that is constantly, every time I saw him, I go, Oh yeah, I forgot about this guy. And I like that. I go, Oh, wow, wow. What a surprise. Like he's full of surprises. I think I think you 100% picked out the spot that I was missing cuz that's cuz he's a guy who again he creates he's dangerous in the middle but he's so dangerous in what he can create from outside when he takes on defenders one on one so maybe that's maybe that's the pairing uh, on the outside that maybe gives them a little bit more width and and gives them guys who can who can take the defense from the outside in and open up space for for a Denner and Klaus in the middle maybe it's a Thorson on one side Pompeo on the other side and then it's you know Klaus and Klaus and Adenarin or Leuven and Klaus or Easy uh, Zeal and Sam like you do a lot of cool combinations there in the middle as well. I think you're right. I think I think I'm overlooking Pompeu, but I think that's another point though that don't expect the big moves from City to be offensive. I, I really do think that when you look at all those names, Klaus, Adenarin, Pompeu, Thorison, Jackson, Leuven. There's no need for you know an out and out attacker on this team. You don't need that big name striker. You need you need depth and you need guys who can take your system from from one level to a completely different level. Yep. Well, uh, we'll, we'll close it there. Um, I I know it's it's going to be exciting. I love I love the off season for these reasons. It's cool that we have so many names that we're talking about that we're happy with that we're excited yeah, to see absolutely. again. Uh, we're probably going to lose a few more of them, and 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 that's okay. Hopefully, we continue to uh, strengthen the squad and they just continue to gel. Obviously, over the next couple of seasons. Um, but uh, I'll 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 end this season like I started it, and that is, for the most part, the weakest teams in the MLS have garbage garbage defending. And if you have solid solid defending and a good coach and some smart play and maybe a couple things drop your way, you can find yourself deep in these playoffs and 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 contesting for an MLS Cup. So if we continue to strengthen our our defense, I don't think there's any reason why we shouldn't be big top contenders. And I look forward to all the pundits and all the TV shows and all the podcasts doing their predictions come February about where uh, a team like ours is going to be. Cause obviously nobody expected anything from us. And those first couple weeks, people were blown away record breaking first five weeks. And then, uh, you know, and then people were like, ah, well, you know, they're not that big a deal. And they, and they started putting us down like people like to do with St. Louis sports, but, we showed it into the playoffs um, that uh, this team is is legit. Our coach is incredible, and uh, and we've got a great community of of, of soccer fans here. So it's going to be fun. I say we we take a, a a month off, and maybe we'll pop in here and there for some big news. Because I mean, the soccer community and the soccer news 
um, is as rabid as ever, and it's not going away. So maybe we'll pop in for some episodes this next month or so. Absolutely. You know, if we do take a month off, here's what's going to happen here. Tomorrow is 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 the is one big day. By the way, the MLS offseason, by the way, has started. Uh, trade deadlines open. Free agencies opening up later this week. Waivers are open. Everything's happening. So there will be news kind of going throughout the league as well. But tomorrow on Wednesday evening um, is actually when the Concacaf Champions Cup draw will be. Um, City is in uh, pot two out of. Um, you know, uh, the, the first two pots and then there's two different pots. It's, it's complicated. There's no need to get into it. It's overly complicated. CONCACAF really could, could simplify it a lot and make fans a lot more interested in the draw tomorrow night, but they've decided to to complicate it. So all you really need to know is that city will get their placement in the CONCACAF champions league tomorrow night. And then when we come back in a month, uh, moon on, you know, January 12th, we will be just three weeks away from them playing their first game in the champions, the CONCACAF Champions Cup. So soccer's here. The offseason's short. Continental soccer's here. Get used to it. It's not just league games. It's not just Open Cup. There's all kinds of weird tournaments that if your team's good, you're playing in, and your team's good, so they're playing in it. So time to learn some more rules and learn what what learn what the heck this bracket is and tables and all this stuff. That's the fun part about soccer. It, it it's, it's, it's more so than any other American sport. You're constantly learning new things because it's, it's so much bigger than you ever really think it is. Yeah, indeed. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast, uh, wherever you're getting podcasts or watching on YouTube or whatever it is. Uh, because if something big happens, which I'm sure it will, we will dip in for a little emergency thing, kind of keep you up to date. That way you don't have to do all the Googling and searching and trying to figure out what the hell don't, these things don't, mean. Just do, do, just do not Google CONCACAF Champions Cup. Do yourself a favor. <laughs> wait until we tell you about it, because trust me, you will go down a black hole and you will not be able to get out. Yeah, we'll we'll break it down. We'll break it down for you in the next couple of weeks after we have some more news, and we look forward to uh, to the season. It's going to be here. It's a very short off season, uh, so it's going to be great. Until then, I just want to wish everybody a happy holiday, uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, also to you, Rocky, and thank you again for stepping in. You know, Michelle and I uh, started this uh, just to try to. To, to, to boost the, the, the excitement and the education for a lot of people that may have dabbled in soccer fandom or wanted to get into it and just wanted some basics. And uh, and here we are talking about how happy we were with the season, how just impressed we were. And I uh, really love you, St. Louis. I appreciate you uh, being with us on this podcast, Soccer 101, the St. Louis City SC podcast. Uh, Rocchio, again, man. I can't thank you enough for, for, for stepping up and being such a great partner here. Buddy, thank you so much. No one else lets me talk video game lineups about soccer. So so, I, so thank you so much. I, I It makes me so happy to talk about that kind of stuff, and I, and I love to do it every week. <laughs> thank, thank you for bringing me on here, buddy. Yeah, brother. With that, we'll say Merry Christmas and go! go!